Hello there. I'm Ryan Woods, a Spartan god. This is my own mind. You're listening to the I'm a Spartan podcast, Scott Knowles. And I'm... What the fuck am I doing this, man? This is fucking stupid. Are you kidding me? I'm doing these favors for these bums? Nah, fuck this. I'm out here. Katie, bring me some wine. I'm fucking out. Scott Lafayne Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What's up, everybody? On this episode, I brought Rachel back on to tell us about how Telluride World Championships went, and uh, she's just been crushing a lot of races here since we talked to her last time, so it was good to get her back on the show and just talk about everything that's been going on. And it was a good talk, and it will make you want to do a 24-hour race when you get to the end of it. I guarantee it. But anyway, here is the interview with Rachel Waters. Rachel Waters, what's up? Not much, just living the dream. What about you? Pretty good, pretty good. It's a shitty day at work, but it's all good now because it's over. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it seems like we just talked, but that was way back in April. It doesn't seem that long ago, does it? No, it doesn't. I guess it goes by pretty quick when you think about it. Um, but yeah, I think we talked after Atlanta Savage. We talked about that that race, I think. Yeah. And speaking of Savage, you just got your first axe at a Savage not too long ago. I did. Um, right that was at the end awesome. of September. Yeah, at um, the Atlanta Savage. It was it was really exciting. Um, I found a great place for it in my house on top of, you know, a bookshelf where I see it every time I walk in the house. So, um absolutely still stoked about that hell yeah and you got the cool one where they didn't paint the axe head blue because i mean me personally i'd rather it look like a real axe than look like a you know a, a fake axe and the blue and the blue head yeah. makes it look like a fake axe so yeah i mean i wouldn't complain if they gave me the, the blue axe one too, Bro, but, yeah um, absolutely it's not a, it's pretty it's really nice because it has the date on it oh that's so know, cool it, and it says atlanta so i mean that that's really cool um, super special, big, big, you know, bucket list kind of thing for me for life. So yeah. just absolutely excited about that. I yeah. mean, that's got to be like, I mean, the Barbarian Challenge has a cool award too, but that has to be like one of the coolest trophies out there to earn, I think. I, I think so. And I think also, um, you know, like I, I love the Barbarian Challenge and, you know, getting that cool sword is, you know, a, a, was a big one for me too. And I, and I love it. It's a, extremely um, unique and, and really creative award. But for me with Savage, with it just being such kind of, I guess, in my mind, a competitive race um, with some like really tough, and I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, Barbarian isn't because it is too, but for me, it was also just all that work it took, yeah. um, you know, to, to get that Savage just slowly building myself up from a lot of like, you know, fourth and sometimes third places to then breaking that, you know, second place barrier a couple of times. And then finally, um, you know, finally taking one home. Yeah, I know. Cause I mean, even when, when we went into that Savage race, uh, cause you and I both, we went to Killington like two weeks before that. And I was still feeling kind of run down from going to Killington. I don't know how you felt going into Savage after that. I can't remember. I guess I'm like used to, <laughs> used to feeling, a little rundown, but I mean, I actually feel pretty good a lot. But yeah, Killington beat my legs up, man. Yeah, um, and you did good there too, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I did all right. I didn't get a podium, um, but I, you know, I did two consistent days. And you know, for me, sometimes it's you know, it's not about 
your placement. You just go out there and do it. And, you know, you can't, you can't be mad about it if you, you know, get, I think I got like fifth and fourth or something. So, I mean, yeah. I was, I was happy with it and just excited to go. Cause that's an incredible venue. It is. And we got flipped off by an old lady when we were that driving up fantastic. there. Fantastic. I, I wish we could really go into that story. Cause that's a good one, but yeah. we'll continue to probably laugh about that for a while. Yeah. And then we got lost on a dirt road and we all went into the woods yeah. and took a piss. And then we got back in the car and realized we missed a detour sign to the, where the bridge was yeah. at. I guess that's the Spartan way. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has to stop in the woods and take a, take a piss. So, hey, I know. can't I can't remember every trip I I took to Killington. You know, driving down the road, but I won't forget that travel we did that day. That was fun. <laughs> that that minivan, yeah. That was that was. We had a nice little group with us, so that was definitely. I've done that drive by myself before, and it's just not as fun. So yeah. But that was good. Yeah, but Killington was nice this year. The weather was so good. It was great this year. It was. It was beautiful because we had both been there, I think, 2019, and that had been my first year when it was just, yeah. you know. It was atrocious <laughs> it was, um, weather. Because, I mean, that course is an animal in, right. in its own. So, I mean, the, we, we did get very lucky with that, that yeah. weather. That was a nice weekend. Yeah, the views were great that morning, whereas in 2019, it was overcast. You couldn't see shit all day. Yeah, I did the ultra that year, so... Um, yep. I had to do the death march twice, and I didn't even get a view off the top either time no. that year. So All we got was, was we got cold, <laughs> rainy wind is what we got yeah. in the top. <laughs> right in our face, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so it was really nice this year to actually see that beautiful view that I heard about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely yeah. a good year to be there. Yeah, I guess I've seen you... Uh, at- all of my last like four races, I guess, you know, all the cool people picked the same cool races because we did, uh, yeah, all the cool kids. Almost. Well, you weren't in Telluride. You, you no. really up. am I allowed to cuss on this? By the way, I just wanted to ask that now. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You really fucked up by missing that one. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. You know, I hope they go back next year for everybody. Cause, uh, that was that was a super special venue. So tell us about that venue because that's the first time Spartans ever been there, and you know I understand wasn't that town like already at like eight thousand feet of elevation or some shit. Yeah, so there's and this was my first time. Like I've been to Colorado, but this was my first time like in the Telluride specific you know area. And so Telluride is a city, and that's at about something in the eights in elevation. But the race was actually up the mountain in a place called Mountain Village. Right. And so, you know, some of us stayed in Telluride, some of us stayed in Mountain Village, and there was a free gondola, you know, to, to Mountain Village. But Mountain Village, um, the, the lowest point of the course was 9,500. Wow. And, yeah. Um, and, you know, the, I mean, but the views, I have never raced in a more beautiful place. And I mean, and I've done some pretty ones, you know, I've done Tahoe, I've done... Breckenridge, Aspen, you know, uh, Killington's a pretty one. Um, I was out in Utah, you know, so I like to think that I've done some of the, you know, pretty courses and I've done them with, you know, beasts and ultras. So I've really gotten, you know, out there in the woods. Um, but this, I mean, just the views from it, you know, because you started 9,500 feet, but you know, they immediately take you straight uphill. And so when you're up at 11,000 feet, I mean, just the views of the mountains around were just absolutely incredible. And, um, Colorado in the fall, there's just this beautiful gold that the, that I think it's the Aspen's turn. And I mean, just, um, you know, it being 24 hours, I got to watch a sunrise and a sunset from, you know, up in the mountains like that. Yeah. I bet and, it was cool. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. The stars. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Um, and how can you be mad busting your ass in a place that beautiful? <laughs> I can think of a few ways. Yeah. <laughs> so you being from, you know, the being from Georgia, you know, how did that affect you? Like, you know, breathing the elevation, like, could you tell that it was harder to breathe? Were you getting any kind of like elevation sickness from it or anything like that? Um, so elevation sickness is something I've never dealt with because I've kind of learned some ways, you know, when you get there, of some things to do. I mean, essentially it's kind of what you eat and drink. Um, you know, you just got to be mindful of drinking, you know, three times as much water than you think you could ever need. Um, cause you just dry out, but, but huh. yeah, I'm, I didn't have elevation sickness, but I absolutely felt that thin air. I mean, for me, that was the hardest part, you know, everything just felt heavier. Um, the bucket carry almost broke me every time I did it. Um, you know, I had to, um, I've never, you know, I'm pretty strong and I don't usually put buckets down. Um, but this was a bucket carry, you know, I had to do it seven times. So, um, every time I did it, I I took breaks. Um, and then everybody did. It's funny at night, you could hear the sound of like that, you know, that sound, the bucket makes, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, because that's kind of how, you know, pretty much everybody was doing it, but I, I definitely noticed, everything felt heavier. Um, you know, I felt weaker on, you know, the grip obstacles and, you know, there was a lot of climbing and my heart was just pounding. And, you know, it's funny cause I was sweating. I was hot the whole time and everybody else was like looking at me like, why are you sweating? And, and I think <laughs> it's, I think it's because my poor little sea level heart was just pumping so hard trying to get oxygen <laughs> to my body cause the air was thin that I was hot. Wow. Um, but yeah, I actually thought the altitude was probably the hardest part for me. Um, but I also would say that, you know, with not having physical elevation t- or altitude type of sickness, um, I just have to put it in a box and, and, and stick it aside and say, you know, that's mind over matter. Um, you're going to feel this way regardless of if you, you know, feel sorry for yourself about it. So, you know, it's just one other thing. You just got to, you know, keep, keep moving. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's a long answer, but yeah, that the altitude, I, I could for for sure feel it. Right. Um, maybe you know, maybe more than some of the other athletes that live in the area, probably. Um, so when it was all said and done, you ended, you wound up being fourth place. And but how many miles did you actually get? Right. Um, you know, that's always debatable because you have like what they say it was, and then you know what your Garmin says it was. Right. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm going to say that like it was roughly. You know, Spartan might have me down for 50 or 55 miles based on kind of what, what they called it. But I think it was about, I don't know, 58 or so. Like if I really wanted to, you know, go back on, on the – because my watch battery ended up uh, dying for a little bit. So I oh, kept it back on a lap and charged it. Uh, but then what I did was I did take it out on one full loop right. uh, at the end. So I was able to at least clock and understand what one looked like. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so that way I could at least, you know, fill in the gaps. Cause I, I had, I knew my watch was dying. So I kind of, and it saved what I had before. Right. So I kind of, I kind of knew what I was missing, but I, I'd say it was between, I don't know, 55 and 80 miles or 55 and 58 miles. Right. I know I was looking through Strava and I just happened to see Josh Fiore's watch time and he, it, his uh, Strava said he had like 99.5 miles. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. I just yeah, wondered. I, I, I didn't look at the Strava because I know Strava and Garmin are sometimes different. Yes, but I just they are. Of, you know what they said because the way the course was laid out um, was that you had your first 
loop, which started at, you know, 10 a.m. on Sunday, it was a beast loop. Right. Um, and you only did that some, once, right? Yep. And for some reason, they closed a couple of obstacles. So our first five miles was just running. So maybe they were just trying to get people kind of Spread moving, out. You know, <laughs> like, just get a, get these first, you know, because, I mean, they're, they're the race directors and stuff. They're probably thinking of, like, you know, we got to get people through this course. Um, so we did the beast. And the beast course actually went up to, I think, I don't think it touched 13,000, but I know it went, I think, 12.5 or so. And so, you know, we did reach that high point on that loop. Um, You know, we missed a few obstacles, but we did, you know, um, I think the first one we did was traverse. You know, we did most of the obstacles, but for whatever reason, you know, the few that were in the first five miles, they, um, they closed. So we did that beast loop. And then after that, everything after that was this, what they called a 10 K. It was a little more like seven miles. Yeah. Um, but then we repeated that one. And, and, you know, I believe, and that one only hit about, I think maybe 11,000. Yeah. So we only went up to the 12 plus once kind of during the day. And then everything else below that was on that loop that, you know, started around 9,500 and, and topped out maybe around 11. Um, so that was kind of the format. So do you, how much elevation gain do you think you were getting on each one of those laps? Well, I know because I got my Garmin. Um, each of the seven miles had about 2,000. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the course, the best way to explain that seven miles was it was almost like cut into quadrants. You had this brutal, from the start, at least mile and a half uphill. Right. And I think it had about 1,000 in gain. I mean, it was just like relentless and you would have to go off. It was up a service road and you would have to turn off the road and do monkey bars and then come right back up on the road and, hmm. you know, go up some more and then turn off into an obstacle. Um, because tell your ride in, in that area is so beautiful that they didn't really bushwhack us. They yeah. That's what I, I heard. Yeah. They, because it's a very high end area and they don't want people throwing their trash and picking yeah. up the, um, you know, sense. area. So, one thing the course had going for it was that it was on either kind of gravelly roads, trails. Um, that being said, some of the trails had some, there was a tricky downhill part on a trail. Um, but yeah, so it was broken into quadrants. First quadrants and uphill. <laughs> the second quadrant was actually kind of runnable. Third was another uphill. And then fourth was a pretty fast downhill. So you kind of got this flow there of like, okay, you know, you're hiking out of the beginning. Um, you know, then there's a section where you might make up a little time, but you don't want to make up too much time because then you're going to have to climb again. Um, but then the last maybe two miles was this really rocky windy technical downhill but if you know you weren't afraid of it you could you could move pretty quick on it right um but yeah a lot of climbing two thousand feet for a for a loop so what was your strategy because you've done some long races before like this and some 24 hour races so what was your strategy going into uh this race because this was your first 24 hour race that was at elevation right yeah, and I mean, I really was a little, a little scared going into it. I bet. I, to be honest, I felt undertrained because in the 2021 year so far, I've run 20 miles or more twice. I did a 20-mile run in February, and then I did the Montana Ultra to qualify for this. So right. I hadn't been putting, like, mileage in like that, you know. I, I So I was kind of like, uh-oh, you know, what a, <laughs> what am I about to do with my body? But so, you know, my strategy going into it is really just to, um, 
what I always do is I kind of go slow at the beginning and I feel it out because you can't, you can have a strategy, but you sort of can't when you don't know the course, you don't right. know what to expect. Um, you know, I actually, what's funny about this is I wasn't racing um, at the beginning. I actually went out because you had to get um, 50 kilometers, like the 30 miles to get a buckle. Right. So some people, you know, did that. So two of my friends, um, we actually went out and started together and we did, and we hung together on our first, the beast lap and then our first two other laps. Oh, and, who were you running we with? We waited for each other at obstacles you know if one person you know how it is when you're with a friend one person's kind of slower up the hill you kind of wait for them and recover you know we were looking at stuff joking around each taking our pee breaks in the woods or whatever and um you know having fun and they kind of decided that they just wanted to get to the 50k and i was like well you know my goal was was 80 80k that was my goal was uh, a beast loop and you know six more and so, um, you know, when we were on that second lap together, we were talking about it. They're like, well, we're only going to go out for one more to get the buckle. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, when you're on that second one, you're like, how the hell am I going to do this four more times? Mm. You, know, you know, sometimes when you're going up these climbs, you're like, I can't believe I have to do this four more times. Yeah, like, it's almost an, an inconceivable. Because you're like, I, I can't do this right now, barely. So, um, like, you know, um, anyway, your mind goes there. So they, we came back in and then. You know, they needed a little more time because by now the sun had come down and they needed a little more time. And kind of what I kept telling everybody was, you know, I'm just going to hang out and at mile 18 or at hour 18, um, if I want to race, I'm going to race at hour 18. Um, right. Because I've done World Stuff as Mutter twice. I've done um, a really cool 24 hour, the Casa Garcia. And, you know, 24 hours is a long time. Yeah, it um, is. You know, and so. You don't really, I mean, of, of course, I'm speaking about me. I can't speak for, you know, you know, the Reyes and, you know, all, all those others that can maybe be conditioned for that mileage. But I know that, I, that I'm that i not able to, to do what she can um, physically. So for me, it was like, look, you know, take it easy and, and you know, turn it on at the end if you need to. Um, just feel out the race, see what's happening. And so, you know, it, it is kind of hard to do that because those first 10 to 15 hours, I've got all these women that are like, ahead of me and I'm kind of looking at them and, and I don't mean this in any way, but you kind of sometimes look at your competition and you think, well, wait a minute, I, I should beat her. I could beat her. Yeah. Or, you know, like, and, and I don't mean that in, in any way. I mean, I think we all do that. Right. Like we size up the people bias and say, well, that person doesn't look any tougher than me. Like, right. you know, and, and so it, it can be kind of hard on your ego. Um, but I don't even really look at the leaderboards. So I just, um, what's funny, man, is I hiked like that entire thing. I mean, my first, I kid you not, my first 15, 16 hours, I might have jogged for a total of an hour of that time. And I mean jogged. I just walked the uphills. Even the parts that were runnable on that first 16 hours, I didn't run them. Right. Because I was like, you know, there's no point hurting my legs. Like, you know, this, this, this I couldn't breathe, you know. Um, yeah. So I just kind of hiked the thing and had fun and just kept eating and had my low points, my high points. And then... um Right as I predicted, because I kind of just know, um, <laughs> right around hour 18, I'm on the bucket carry. And, <laughs> you know, us elite women get spread out. And uh, I just, and I see an elite women bib. I'm taking my bucket down. She's carrying hers up. And I'm like, holy shit, I just caught somebody, yeah. you know? And so I kind of, you know, saw her. And, and then on that last little runnable part on the down, I was like, all right, Rachel. And, and now this is, um, this is on my fifth of those laps. 
So I was just out there all night, just chipping away at this thing by myself, you know, just hiking in the woods, eating, trying to get in and out of transition as quick as I could. And just, you know, not thinking about fourth, fifth and sixth, just thinking about the next lap, you know, as I'm on the one, I'm like, okay, Rachel, just worry about the next, you know, you have a goal. You want to get six of these things done, you know, watch your watch, you can do it. And, you know, fuck all the other girls. Don't worry about your place, you know, just, just go. And so anyway, so at this point I'm on the fifth and I'm almost on like the tail end of my fifth lap and I'm feeling pretty good because I've been hiking the whole thing. And so on that downhill, I end up catching the girl that I saw in the bucket and then, and she was like, Oh my gosh, you're, you're running. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I feel pretty good. And you know, <laughs> she was like kind of hobbling a little bit, you know, she could tell she was uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, you could just tell she was moving different than me. I don't want to say she was hobbling. She still looked like a, a total badass. But, you know, you could tell she was moving a little slower. And then I go down a little bit. And then I was like, oh, my gosh. And I see another one. Right. And she's and she's walking, too. And I kind of come by. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? And she's with this guy. And he's like, what lap are you on? And I was like, oh, I'm on my fifth. He's like, what? And I just kind of was like, yeah, I'll well, see you guys <laughs> later. I just, like, jog on by. And I think they were both just like, huh? You know, because surprised you had a jog in you, I guess. Yeah, I had a jog in me. And so they set this one. You've done World's Tough as Mudder, right? Nope. Okay, so World's Tough as Mudder is 24 hours, but they say, okay, it ends at noon. You have to start your last lap by 11 a.m. Right. And you have to cross the finish line by 1.30. If you don't cross, if you start a lap and don't finish it in time, that last lap won't count. Right. And so, you know, People sometimes don't go out for that last one, even if they it's at you know hour twenty three, because they're like, I may not go that fast. Right. But Spartan did it different, and I understand why they did. Spartan said, you know, again, you have to start your last lap an hour before the end, which would have been nine a.m. since it ended at ten. And they gave the same two and a half hours. They said, you know, you have to be back across the finish line by eleven thirty. But what they said is, if you don't make that last lap, your entire race is disqualified. That's kind of dumb. Well, I see why they did it because, okay, they had to go one way or the other. You can't just let the, I could send them, maybe say only elites and age group can, can do that or something because they also, what they don't want is people that are so desperate for a buckle, but are really not trained and have no business going out there for another loop, you know, going out there and getting all sick or cold or fucked up. You know, I see why they would want to deter people. But what it did is it really eliminated some of that end of the race push like World Stuff is Mutter has. Because World right. Stuff is Mutter, it's like, oh, man, I got two and a half hours. Well, I better try to crank one out in right. worst case scenario. So so that kind of changed it. But it all ended a little earlier. So if you look at my sure. time, you know, I think I only ran for like 21 or something hours. Um <laughs> I feel like I'm going off on a tangent. I'm trying to tell this linearly, but it's you probably not. didn't mind that. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I just I just want to talk about obstacle course racing. <laughs> um, but so anyway, I'm on my fifth loop. I start running, and so I get back to the festival area, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just passed two girls, you know. And I, and I checked the leaderboard before, and I thought I was in eighth, and I was like, okay, wow, I must be in fifth now or sixth. You know, I better get my ass moving because. I, you know, I need to get one more lap in. And by now it's like hour 19 or so. Right. I'm like, you know, I, I need one more lap to get my 80K goal. And, you know, those girls were walking slower, but they were walking. Right. They might still be able to keep moving. You know, I, I can't stop now. So I like ran into transition and I'm like, oh, huffing and puffing. I got to get my stuff. And then they're all like, um, 
you know, are you okay? I'm like, I gotta go, you know, I gotta, I gotta race. And they're all <laughs> like, you know, and it's like, you know, hour 20 and I finally like light a fire. And, um, hmm. so I go out there and, and I told myself in my last loop, I'm like, you better make this your fastest loop. You know, you better get your ass up that hill because those two girls are hungry and they're coming for you. And so, um, it was still dark. And actually on that last loop is when the sunrise came out Oh, sweet! on, on my last loop. And so, nobody was out there man so the that first mile and a half was up a road and they had these like glow sticks going up to help mark it yeah and you know i got to a point where i was up at the top and looked down and i couldn't even see any other headlamps i mean i was just out there like alone it was really surreal um but you know it's in the dark and i'm just like you know my lips are chapped it's cold um i don't care though i mean i'm just uh-huh. going and so i finished and I cross the finish line, you know, and I, I turn in my stuff and I go look at the leaderboard and I'm like, I'm next to number four. And I was like, whoa, like, uh. how did that happen? You know, I thought I, I'm on this lap, like, don't, don't cry yet. You got to finish. Don't get excited. Don't get excited. You don't get fifth until you finish, you know, right. it's not over till it's over. And then I didn't even know if I was going to have to, I was already thinking on that last one, man, they're behind me. I might even have to do another loop and I don't really don't want to, yeah. but you know, if they're on my tail. And so I crossed in fourth and you have to go check in with each lap. And apparently the two girls I'd passed never even went out for another lap. Oh, wow. Which was funny. Cause I was out there like running scared. Over <laughs> the whole time. And then what had also happened is there had been a girl that had finished that fifth lap faster, you know, than me, but she never went out for another one either. Right. And so that's how I, so anyway, I crossed, I was in shock and, um, you know, because I really, of the 50, you know, let's call it 55 miles I did, I probably only ran like six or seven and just hiked the rest. Wow. Um, yeah. And so that's, you know, it was just an interesting race for me because nothing really went wrong. It just all went well. And somehow I found myself in fourth place. That's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, Especially was, for was, somebody that doesn't train at elevation too. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, and I think maybe people that know me weren't surprised because, you know, I've done 24 hour races before and, um, you know, I'm pretty good at them, so I can just suffer pretty well. And um, I'm also kind of laid back about it, so I just go slow in the front, but I, I was not expecting fourth. I had, um, I had four goals this year, actually, and I'm waiting to see what happens with one of them because they haven't posted the, all of the points, you know, the final spartan standings yet so um you know i'm kind of seeing where that goes but one of my goals this year was i wanted to finish top 10 at that race well you achieved that yeah and so when i was out there i kind of started well okay you could get eighth or ninth you know like eighth or ninth is possible and so it was almost i I still kind of like i guess i just i don't know that doesn't really phase me a lot either though because i'm like okay well I guess fourth is pretty good, you know. I guess it was fun. It was hard, you know. I guess what's the next, you know, what's next, I guess. (laughs) I bet, you know, your experience, I mean, and I don't know all the girls that were there and what their experience background was too, but, you know, you being to world's toughest mudder and just having that experience to know that if if you're going to last the whole 24 hours you know you can't go out there and run every single lap like it's your last lap you know you have to you know like walk all the uphills and you know and just you know jog like the downhills and stuff you know you got to pace yourself a lot slower than 
you can imagine, you know, to, to make the 24-hour time. And I think that's probably what puts you a, ahead of a lot of the people there, and it's awesome. Yeah, I think also, um, you know, I was just thrilled to not have to be wearing a full-body wetsuit. That was pretty fantastic. Is that right? No you know, wetsuit that's the world's toughest mutter thing. And, um, you know, it's much more comfortable when you, when you can just kind of wear regular clothes. Right. So... <laughs> Um, before I forget, what were the who were your friends that you were running with on the first lap? Okay, um, okay, okay. Do you know Chris Mills? He's in Denver. Yeah, I think I know who that is. Yeah, he's like a badass um, Spartan race. Chris is his handle. And do you know Mark, the DJ for Spartan, that lives out? Um, and I think he's from San Diego. He's um, he he DJs. Come on, Mark Montano. Yep, yep. It was me yeah. and them. I just interviewed yeah, him we were, like two we episodes ago. Yeah, we were having a great time, man. We were just hanging out, um, talking. Um, yeah, so those are my friends, and they and oh, they crushed cool. it. They did the fifty k. Yeah, they were both at Big Bear. This I think Mark worked Big Bear. Yeah. Um, so we just hung out, um, had a good time. So they uh, they got their buckle, and then they went back and went to sleep while I just you know <laughs> <laughs> kept suffering. Kept at it. Kept at it. It really wasn't so bad. I, you know, suffering. Yeah, in some ways. But, um, yeah, it was just so beautiful, you know. Right. So, what day did you get up there? I got up there on Thursday. I flew through Denver because right. it was cheaper, um, and I was also like, you know, that's not a bad drive. It was like six and a half hours. Um, wow. So we, you know, drove through Colorado in the fall, stopped at some hot springs, um, all of that. So I got in Thursday. Right. So that's cool. And the race started on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Sunday at ten a.m. All right, it's cool. Did you like kind of spectate the race on Saturday to kind of see what you were getting into? Yeah, I went up there because it was a, my condo was in Telluride, and it was just like to a gondola ride. So I went up there because some I had friends that were running that too. Everybody was, you know, um, I mean, some some people actually did it, you know, before the just like walked it before the race the day before. I wouldn't have done that because they were like, "Oh, I want to see no. what the course is like." I'm like, "I'll see what the course is like on the first loop." That's right. The first <laughs> loop was like the warm up before the race. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I was up there and I just want to see it. Um, you know. But yeah, I kind of just hanging out. Tell you, it's a beautiful little city um, with the restaurants and stuff. So you know, I had a condo. I was just just sort of chilling. You know, repacking my stuff, freaking out about my mandatory gear and. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I, I like really didn't pack well, you know, I had a bad night the night before I forgot some like things that I would think are important. So I was kind of trying to, you know, get, get my act together, I guess, uh, that, that weekend before. And then, you know, we had to be up there Sunday at like, like 7am or something. So, wow. so they had like a pre-race briefing. Cause like, you know, this race isn't, it's different than, you know, your regular ultra it had different rules and stuff like that. Uh, tell us about that pre-race briefing and what they told you yeah they basically um you know we had packet pickup on saturday but then before the race there was a meeting where they're just kind of going over all of the rules and explaining the, the process because this one was also set up differently on a like a penalty perspective so i'll, I'll kind of get to that in a second but um you know they really talked about you know what you needed to do what gear you were supposed to have with you that there would be gear checks um just reminding everybody about integrity and um you know just kind of laying out laying out the rules there because I think there was a little bit of confusion with, um, you know, now that they've done penalty laps and they did these things called passports, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, so they just, you know, wished us luck and, and just laid out the rules. It really wasn't that much information um, because they had put out 
like an athlete guide. Yeah. That, you know, which which it was funny because like I don't know if they emailed it. I I didn't get one, and someone mentioned it to me, and I found it by like <laughs> Google searching it. Um, but once you found it, it it really said most of what you needed to know. Right. Um, you know, but we did have mandatory gear that we had to have on us. Um, which we were all like super annoyed with because at 10 a.m. that morning when we started, it was nice and warm. Right. Um, you know, but you have to have at 10 a.m. You, you then then you, we don't know when the gear check's going to be. You had to have two headlamps on you. You know, shell pants, shell what? jacket, long sleeve shirt, long sleeve pants, emergency blanket, whistle, hydration vest, like all this stuff. Wow. Which I, I totally think makes sense, but when you're you know, out and sweating at, you know, the sun in the exposed mountain. You're like, why am I carrying shell pants at, hmm. you know, 11 a.m.? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, Better so safe than that, sorry, I guess. Uh, go ahead. No, <laughs> I get why they have to have it because people are bozos and, you know, would come to an event like that without the proper things. I mean, I'm even though that was – I'm not even kidding you. On the first lap, which is a beast, there were people out there with, like, nothing. Like no belt, no pack, no water bottle, no wow. food. This one guy was in like Nikes in a sweatshirt. I was like, where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you'd just be surprised. So I don't criticize them for having mandatory gear. Um, it was just, you know, quite cumbersome to kind of lug it on, you know, through obstacles with you. Yeah. You know, having this big stuffed pack. But um, the way that the, the penalties were set up was different. So if you were open you did your burpees at the obstacle just like normal because nobody's really counting or yeah. caring if you do your burpees, um, which I actually, you know, I'm not one to criticize, but I was not really happy with that because there were open wave people out there that were just walking past the obstacles and they got buckles and stuff. And that really like peeved me. But anyway, yeah. um, not my business, whatever that's on them. But if you are age group or elite, every lap, that you finished before you went into the transition area, you had to check in with like the Spartan staff tent. Right. And they would issue this little piece of paper. It was called a passport with a zip tie and you, know, you could tie it to your pack. Um, I had mine like positioned. So I would like fold it up and stick it in a pocket. Cause I'm like, I'm not losing this thing. Yeah. Um, and there were basically six obstacles on that seven mile lap that um, didn't have penalty loops and they were, um, I think I can remember, Spear Throw, Twister, um, Herc Hoist, Rope Climb, Rig, and Bender. So those six were the ones that would have burpee penalties. And so as you went out during your loop, if you got your Spear Throw, the volunteer there would punch your card. And they had these, like, you know, the spear throw had a heart shape, one had a star, right. you know, these six different punches. So if you miss it, no one's going to punch your thing. Right. So if, when you, and then you accumulate, you know, hopefully you have six punches by the time you, you get through. Um, because when you come back down, you know, and you finish the lap and you go through the finish line, there's someone there waiting for you at a, at a penalty zone. And there they would take your thing. And I mean, if you have all six, they would, you know, get your bib number and take your thing and record who you were that you got all six but if maybe you were missing one or two, you would there, they had this set up with like the camera and you would do all of your burpees at once. Gross. Um, yeah. So that, you know, they could more, because it's so important in a race, like a championship race like this with the burpees, um, you know, and especially at night, Yeah, you can't have like but enough. It's so dark out there. It Cameras really just, in the it dark. It makes sense to do it that way. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but, and, but what, one thing that was really awesome was halfway through. So at 10 PM, the burpee penalty dropped from 30 to 15, which that was, was nice. You never would think that you'd think it'd be nice to do 15 burpees, but you were just like, that's not so bad. Yeah. You know, I only have to do 15. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. What was the most uh, obstacles you failed on a lap? So I, then again, this just goes to my strategy and the way that I approach things. Um, Olympus had a penalty loop. And one thing I loved about this race loved it, wish they could do it at all of them, was that they put buckets and sandbags on that penalty loop. So it was at least a carry. Because I know a lot of elites have been griping about, you know, you guys are given these puny little penalty loops. Right. That, you know, don't. And so it at least kind of, especially at the altitude, it slowed people down. And so Olympus had this little bucket carry on it. And, you know, I told myself, I said, you know, I know I, I can do Olympus. Um, I've done it twice in ultras. You know, I, I don't, I think I slipped off of it like in, you know, one every now and then, you know, it's, right. but I, I can do Olympus, but I told myself, I'm like, you don't need to do Olympus. If it's a penalty loop, just take the penalty loop because the amount of work that Olympus is going to take, yeah. um, even one time, it doesn't matter. You know, you got to kind of check your ego with that. Like nobody cares if Rachel can do Olympus. Like it's not, um, you know, to, 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 to really save your grip. I was like, cause you know, if I try to act like a hero and do Olympus, maybe then I fail twister. Um, so I skipped Olympus every time I did the penalty loop. Um, outside of that, I didn't fail anything except the spear throw. So I was, you know, I got rig twister, you know, all of that every time. Well, that's good. Um, so, yeah. So the most I failed was one thing, um, on each lap. I had seven spears and I missed five of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I mean, it got down to only two of them were 30 burpees. So hey, I did like that ain't bad. 95. Yeah, I did 95 burpees for the 24 hours, so it's Oh, really well, that's not bad. not bad at all. No, no, I mean, that's a piece of cake over 24 hours, so. Yeah. No, I got everything. Um, You know, the at night, though, like, the monkey bars and Twister were so cold. I bet. That, you know, I had to take my gloves off to do them, and my hands would be, like, throbbing for, like, two minutes after. And then, they Ugh. like, the kid's tongue in the Christmas story or whatever. I'm yeah. Cold. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I only missed the spear on there out there did you wear bleg mitts when you were running too you know i actually didn't wear bleg mitts because um i have these other neoprene gloves that are just like regular finger gloves yeah and just a little more comfortable they kind of have a better grip on them and you know i i had bleg mitts with me but um i just liked them better and i, I really only had to take my gloves off like two or three times during the loop. And so it really wasn't that cumbersome, you know, to, 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 I could see how in a fast race, right. You know, you want to stop and take your gloves off. But I mean, you know, at this point I'm walking uphill towards the monkey bars. I mean, I had enough time to just take them off and, you know, stuff them in my shirt or, what, or in my pants or whatever. Um, but I did bring my blankets. I need some new ones. I have some old ones and they're getting kind of floppy. So, you know, uh, just, a side note here, Nicole Miracle said on in the Discord today that she is actually selling bleg mitts, or I don't know if she had a oh. bunch of them or not. I didn't ask her. I just saw her say that she was selling bleg mitts. So if you okay, need I'll some, check it out. Yeah. hit her up. Those are, yeah, I will. I'll check it out. Those are great gloves. So. All right. Yeah, I've got a pair that somebody gave me, but they're a little too small, so I ended up just giving them to Leanne. 
Yeah. I mean, they, they really make a difference, but you know, for this race, um, you know, the, the gloves that I had, I, I liked a little better and they really kept me warm again. I was hot the whole time. I was like sweating. I was afraid. Um, I was really nervous about dehydration because when you're in thin air like yeah. that, sweating, your body su- yeah, well, your body, when you're in dry air, your body, like the air sucks more moisture out of your breath. So you dehydrate faster. And I was like, not expecting you to be sweating because it was like in the twenties. Um, wow. so I really just was working on putting in fluid and they didn't have a water station on the loop either. What? Um, oh, cause it was mandatory. You had water on you though, right? Yeah. But I mean, I'm like, you got, they also didn't have any porta potties out there either. So mm. I'm like, I guess they just want people like going out in the Pissing woods. In the woods. Know, for, well, for 24 hours. I mean, when you're out on a loop for two or three hours, I mean, and you're hydrating yourself and having all this sodium and stuff. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, whatever, but yeah, they, I was just focusing on eating snacks and drinking and keep, keep moving. <laughs> so how did you like fuel for the race? I mean, were you starting okay. off with gels or were you eating solids the whole way through it? What was so that? What was I your strategy one there? Gel, one gel the entire time. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I try to avoid the, I like them. I'll use them all the time. I, you know, I had them this weekend at Spartan. I'll, I'll use them for something short, but right. those can really tear up your stomach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially so for my, a long event. My, my food is nothing fancy. And what's funny is I forgot my like electrolyte power that I would have put in my bladder. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> my bladder was a mix of water and just good old fashioned Gatorade. I went and bought orange Gatorade, <laughs> like, <laughs> gas station and put that in my bladder um which is you know the old school um the original um <laughs> you know replenishing drink was you know water and gatorade so i had water and orange gatorade in the bladder um the only other thing that i drank was i have um hammer nutrition they're the company i buy all my stuff from they have these little effervescent type tabs they're similar to the noon where it's like you put it in it kind of bubbles up yeah the endure elites um, i think is what they call them yeah this is um hammer makes one and they have a flavor i love it's um cola flavored so oh um, i hadn't tried that one yeah it's really good i like it because it's not as sweet a lot of those are like yeah punch and berry and to me that's just too much so um so those that's all i drank was water with gatorade and then the hammer cola tabs i had a tab like every lap um sit my gatorade drank plain water at transition so that's what i drank and then i ate um i had two cups of the cup of ramen noodles i had like eight or nine <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and yeah. i didn't even get uncrustables i just went old school and bought a loaf of white bread and <laughs> pbj and you know made a, a whole stack of them so i had Ramen, PJs, uh-huh. honey stinger waffles, mini Snickers bars. That's um, the best. And then somebody, one of the crew for Chris, her name's Sarah. She's awesome. She had been in a condo, so she actually made like pasta. So I had a bowl of pasta. Cool. Um, yeah, but that was it. And then I saved my gel for the last like thirty minutes, forty-five minutes of the race. Hmm. Um, and so yeah, it was just you know, not yeah. Fun size Snickers bars, PBJ, and ramen noodles. <laughs> so, and so, Gatorade. <laughs> so what was the pit like? I mean, or like when you would come into transition, you know, you had to do your burpees. What was the pit like? Yeah. And did you have like a pit crew there or were you just doing it solo? Yeah. Um, so the it was one thing that was kind of hard was like the way that it was all kind of disjointed because you did like the burpee stuff and then you had to walk, you know, maybe 
a tenth of a mile or something, you know, to the area to check in with the staff to get your new passport. And then the transition was there. Um, and it was, they had marked off like a five by five ish foot square spot for everybody, which really isn't a lot. Yeah, it's um, not. If you think about it. And so what we all did was like me and my buddies got spots next to each other so we could just kind of share right. um, space. But it was basically a bunch of tents um, set up. Everybody had brought little one and two person tents just to stay warm, you know, because your crew, your crew and your pit people, um, they get cold sitting out there. You know, you come in for 10 minutes and it's exciting, but then you're gone for hours and, you know, they're just out there. So um, lots of people just hanging out. Um, it was right by the leaderboard and, and stuff and, and the, where you get the passport. So there was a lot of kind of excitement because people are watching the runners come in. Um, you know, they're watching all the stats. Everybody's on, you know, social media. Um, but I really didn't spend a whole lot of time in there um, because I was, you know, just trying to get my stuff in and out. But that's usually the fun place to be. Everybody's hanging out. And, um, you know, my boyfriend had come with me and he had run the beast the day before. So he just kind of hung out and he, you know, he kind of knows what I like to eat. And I, I'm pretty simple. I don't need like a lot of help. Yeah. I might ask for something like, hey, can, you know, and sit my Chris's um, friend Sarah was helping me, you know, I usually know exactly what I need. I didn't have, you know, some people's crew is having to like pull their person out of the dead. You know, some of the people get really cold or hungry and, you know, or need pep talks. But I'm usually just like, oh, hey, can you grab me this or. Um, you know, they had, um, water and, you know, those little kettles you can heat water up with. Yeah. They had that for the racers. So they had just, you know, cold water, but then those, um, you know, so I might come in as soon as I get and say, Oh, can I get a ramen please? So that, you know, Sarah could then go walk off and make it for me and come back and, you know, I might shove noodles in my mouth, but, um, you know, I kind of knew coming in, you kind of know what you, what you need before you get there. So you can ask for it because you don't want to waste time. You want to say, you know, you, you want to delegate. You want to say, hey, Sarah, can you please get me this? And, you know, Christian, can you please get me this? Hmm. And then I focus on the one thing that I know that I need to do while they can do that. You know, um, so you just got to think about it, I guess. So, like, during this whole event, like, what was your mindset like? I mean, did you pretty much feel good? And like, you know, in your progression through the race is like, I'm, I'm moving forward, I'm doing good, everything's good. Or was there like points to the race where you were like, this isn't fun anymore, I'm ready to quit, but I'm going to keep going anyway. Like, what was your mindset like going through through the night hours and everything? Yeah, it, you know, it, you kind of have waves. And, you know, in some ways when I'm out there, I almost try to just shut my brain off. And I don't even feel or experience as much while I'm in it because I'm just so focused on that next step, that next mile, that next obstacle. But um, for me, actually, the first maybe eight to 10 hours is really hard because, you know, when you're doing your first and second of the seven mile loop and you're like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to do this? Five, you know, you're going up this monster hill. You're yeah. just like, oh my God. I mean, so absolutely i mean i have these moments in, in that part where i'm just like am i going to be able to do this how is this possible but then i you know try to go back and remember how temporary it is and you know the, the good thing about a loop course like that is you know the beginning was really brutal because the first probably hour was straight uphill right and so it's really hard to like leave the warmth and joy of transition yeah. knowing what you're going out there especially alone you know at night and um you know, but then I'd be on it and I'd be like, no, Rachel, you know, this isn't, 
You know, this isn't impossible. It's just hard. And, you know, you also remember, Rachel, that after this long hill, it will end. You know, it's it's not going to be forever. Um, so just worry about getting up this one. And while you're on this one, the reality is you can do one more. You know, and I just every time just in my mind just push to that one more. But I didn't really have any like fall apart moments. I don't know that I've ever really like broken yet in a race. Um, you know, the fear of, of breaking lives right. very closely to me. But, um, you know, you just kind of ride that. But you have to learn how to look at it rationally. And even though at the beginning of this conversation I said 24 hours is a long time, it's, it's actually not. Like, think of what you're doing 24 hours ago, like, boom, blink of an eye. Um, you know, so before you know it, it's over. And I'm already looking back like, man, that went by fast. Like, I wish I was back out there. It wasn't so bad. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to try to remember that bird's eye perspective of it of you know rachel you can you can do anything for 24 hours like think of you know what some of these other people through history have had to go through um and have been brave and strong enough like this really is is not that bad so um but that's developing that type of self-talk has taken you know a while (laughs) um because it's really if you want to finish a 24-hour race like yes it's physical but um you know, you, you really got to learn how to talk to yourself. Right. Because uh, you're going to spend a lot of time <laughs> talking to out yourself. there, you know, alone with yourself. And you can either, you know, be your own worst enemy on course or, or you can, you know, at least talk yourself up or, or be a friend to yourself um, and help yourself get through it. Yeah, I can imagine myself out there and I'm, I'm, I'm the dog with a cup of coffee and the whole room's on fire and saying, this is fine. <laughs> yeah because i mean it's also you know take a step back i mean yeah i'm not dying like, right you know there's people whose you know family members die suddenly or they're fighting cancer or they've been in, in an abusive situation i mean there's people that you know oh yeah um and, and also i mean not to make myself sound like too much of a crazy person but you know i guess i am <laughs> i've also been through some shit in my life personally you know that i've done battled with you know addiction and you know and working through an eating disorder recovery. And, you know, one thing I tell people all the time is like, there is nothing that Spartan race can throw at me. That's going to be harder than what I've done inside my own head yeah. in, in my past, you know, like, you know, I don't care how heavy this shit is, how much my legs hurt, how tired I am. Like that's a cakewalk compared to like the bullshit I put myself through, you know, with my own struggles in the past. And so you know, you just kind of have to change your frame of reference and, you know, 24 hours goes by pretty quick. <laughs> right. So was there like times during the race where you'd get like a pain in your leg and you're like, uh Oh, I mean, was, was there any moments like that or did you genuinely feel pretty decent through the whole race? You know, for this one, you never feel decent because you know, <laughs> you're, you're exerting effort, but I kept waiting for that one thing to start because that's right. kind of what can happen with these is some sort of yeah. overuse, you know, the knee. And, and that's what puts people out of these races is, you know, you're going downhill and suddenly you maybe feel something in your right knee and then it just doesn't go away. And then, yeah. you know, you're, you find yourself in the situation, but, um, you know, I've got right leg sciatica. That's just this constant nagging thing. And, you know, I was afraid that was going to start bothering me, but, once I warmed up, it was okay. But no, I mean, I, I got one little blister on a toe. Um, but otherwise like nothing broke down. And I think it's because I hiked so much. Um, 
you know, but no, I, I was lucky and fortunate that I actually felt pretty good. I think also my inability to breathe <laughs> that thin air slowed me down a little bit too. Um, right. And so I think there was less impact on my joints because I wasn't out there running for 24 hours. I was power hiking and doing obstacles, basically. If I ever go do a 24-hour race, I'm going to follow you. Come with me, man. I had a great time. <laughs> you know, Chris and, Chris and Mark might tell you I never shut up. So, you know, they might tell you, be careful what you wish for. But, yeah, come on, man. Let's do it. <laughs> I already know that. I've rode in the car with you all the way to oh, Killington. Yeah, that's right in the <laughs> Between you and Annie and, and Michael and just the whole van full, we were just nonstop chatter. So you basically just got to ride with like the coolest people. There. I know. It was my lucky day. <laughs> Absolutely. That was a fun road trip for sure. Mm -hmm. That was just a fun trip altogether. It was. Yep. So Rachel, what would your advice be for somebody that was going to try to do a race like this or a 24 hour race? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, your first thing is you need to, if you, if you haven't done a Spartan Ultra, you know, you need to do a Spartan Ultra. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, a no-brainer um, there. But, you know, I would also recommend considering, you know, signing up for just a regular trail 50K or even 50-miler race um, beforehand, you know, putting some miles in. Um, but, you know, I would say that you need to first, you know, kind of get over the thought that you can't do it because, um anybody can walk for 24 hours. Um, I think there's this misconception that it's this power running, you know, strength for 24, but I mean, it's, it's just not that pretty. Yeah. Uh, but my advice would be, you know, to, to, to um, sign up because signing up is the hardest part. Um, you know, focus your training on time on your feet instead of mileage. Um, I think mileage can be a little intimidating, but you know, if you're trying to build up to 24 hours, um, it's less important for you to say, I need to be able to run 20, 20 miles. It's, it's more important for you to say, you know, I'm going to plan this really long hike or whatever it is where I'm out there on my feet one day for 10 or 12 hours um, or, you know, eight hours one day, eight hours the next day. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be running. It doesn't have to be pretty, but, you know, focus your, your training on time on your feet. Um, you know, I, I would, I think people can do this without a coach, but, I would recommend at least talking to someone that's done one before, um, you know, use resources, ask questions, um, you know, focus on, on trying to get the education you can, because I think a lot of the mistakes that are made in these are related to things like nutrition, um, and pace. And, and those are things that there's science behind. Um, right. so, you know, don't, don't focus on what your buddy does. Maybe ask for some advice. Um, I don't know if this is all good enough, good enough answers, but, um, you know, I think, but I do think that signing up is the hardest part, getting over that, that disbelief because, um, you know, I think humans have become like wussified in a way. And, you know, if you think about what people, you know, a thousand, 2000 years ago had to do for 24 hours to survive, right. um, they were nomadic. They might walk all night to escape danger. So, yeah. um, I think, you know, just changing the frame of reference, but, um, you know, and I always, I mean, I know I can't help everybody, but I'm always happy to answer questions too. So for people that, you know, maybe want some advice, um, but cause you know, there, there are stuff you need to do, right. You need to get the right gear. You need to have a nutrition plan. Um, but if you're, you're training on it, I would say take the intimidation of mileage out and just focus on training for, for time on your feet and moving. 
because that's huge. It, and that builds confidence. Yeah. And you talk about that, like being wussified, you know, and like, you know, uh, Richard or Chainsaw Rick on Instagram, you know? Yeah. I don't know how many races he's like gone to this year and like, he'll like tent camp like the night before and i don't know what race he went to but he like went real high up on the mountain and he was in a tent and it was like 30 degrees and he said he was cold and then he got up the next morning and ran an ultra and i was just thinking man there's no way i would do that like i'm i i I mean i'm not like real fancy but i at least want you know a hotel room and a hot shower where (laughs) i want i want those comforts before a big race (laughs) Hell, I yeah. want those comforts before a sprint. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think that's also the way you have to look at these things, too. I mean, yeah. you know, not to get all deep and sappy or anything, but I mean, look at the world around us. There's, you know, whole populations like genocide, yep, children absolutely. being sold into slavery, you know, and, yeah. and, and I want to feel sorry for myself because I'm tired on my 24-hour race. You know, I guess, um, you know, you have to look at it that way if you're going to do a race, too. You can't make it this big, big, horrible thing because it's not. Right. You know, um, it's, it's it's something you get to choose to do. But, I, you know, I would, I would encourage people that maybe think they can't do it to do it because the beauty of a 24-hour race like that is it's a loop. You go at your own damn pace. Right. You know? So, so Rachel does this many loops. That doesn't matter. You know, you do your loops. You know, there's That's always, right. you know, going to be different. So I would encourage somebody that you know, wants to try it, to try it because it's, it's not impossible. It's just hard. That's all. Right. And I mean, there's like, like you said, there's no time like the present because one day you might not be able to have a chance to do this again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, oh, and it'll change your life. I mean, right. for sure it'll change you as a person, you know, go, you really learn a lot about yourself and you, you know, you have to grow as a person to do something like that. So it's, you know, as I just love it. I mean, I'd actually said that this was going to be my last 24 hour race, um, yeah, right. I wanted, you know, I want to do the Spartan one and then knock it off the list. Um, because you know, th- sometimes they hurt really bad, but then, you know, I got off so easy with this one that now I'm kind of like, oh, that was so bad. Maybe I'll do it again next year. You know, <laughs> yeah. you probably already signed up for world's toughest motor this year. I'm actually not doing it this year. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's big and expensive and it's on the other side of the, you know, the other coast. And, um, I'd rather just be able it really cuts up your schedule because you can't really do anything right before or right after so right um you know I'm, I'm i will be instead of world stuff as mother i will be at florida race savage right so that's where i'll be <laughs> getting another axe trying to uh. <laughs> enjoying the sunshine not in a wet i heard that savage race <laughs> yeah I, I saw that they, they were the same weekend i was like I'm yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to travel. And I mean, this is goes for any race. It's hard to travel to a race when there's local stuff close by, you know, it is, it is. And, and, you know, I've done world stuff is better twice and I'd love to do the, the Vegas venue and, and maybe next year. But the other part too, is I wasn't about to book to both of most, a lot of people aren't doing both. Some are. But for me, I didn't want to book all this travel a month after Telluride because what if for some reason I was injured or something? Yeah. And then I couldn't do it and, you know, booked airfare and, and went through all that. So I, I had never thought that I was going to do that this year. I was completely thrilled to stay home and do to do Savage Race. Yeah, and you've traveled to a bunch of races too this year. Yeah, yeah. The travel takes a lot. It's expensive. I can't I, – and also, I mean, if somebody would, could just pick me up and drop me at World Stuff as Mother with my stuff, I, I'd probably do it. But – 
just the cost of the race and the, and the travel to get out to Vegas. It was just, I couldn't do it this year. Either. Yeah. And you spend all that money paying some dickhead to come and change your floors out in your house too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just got my floors redone. So that was my, you know, it was world's toughest mudder or new flooring. So, you know, it's a uh, being an adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, like, during this race, which obstacle did you, like, dread the most every lap? Oh, Was it kind of... hands fucking down that bucket carry. Oh, uh. my God. And the bucket carry was right before this the second killer climb mm. of, of the race. And that bucket felt so heavy. It was the bucket every time. I'd be sitting in transition, you know, kind of getting <laughs> myself hyped up to go out to the next lap. And, I mean, the bucket was, like, you know, three miles into the thing. And I, and all I, that bucket, I mean, I dreaded it. I hated it. Um, you know, every, I think I'm, I usually buckets don't get to me. Um, this one, every single bucket carry, I, you know, I'd obviously, it was a downhill then back up. I made the downhill unbroken. Um, you know, but the up, the, the, the half back up, I think I took four or five breaks every single time. Wow. And I just sat on my bucket and I didn't give a fuck. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to sit here. I mean, I wasn't the only one, but I mean, I, I didn't care. It was to me, for some reason, that bucket carry was awful. And you know, when you're doing, you're like, how am I going to do this four more times? Uh, how long was it? Was it real long? That too, if, if they ask, they might say the bucket carry. <laughs> was it real long? It felt long. It was, it's not like it was, I can't explain it. I think it was the altitude maybe. And right. the fact that, right after it your heart rate was high and then you had to literally go straight uphill mm, um gross but and i think a lot of people will also tell you that the rig and and not by design because it was just rings bar rings but the bells were as high up were higher up than i have ever seen them on a spartan rig wow and so when you got to the last ring i think i have a video of me doing it once you literally had to like go up or do a one-armed pull up to swing. And so, you know how the women's are usually on the sides yeah. of it? Well, like every single one, I'm like slamming into the, like the pole or whatever <laughs> thing. I mean, and everybody, it's funny because it didn't look like a hard rig, but um, the rig was a little tricky for people because um, of that bell, um, which was, you know, kind of a little sneaky thing they did. But I would say the bucket carry was the thing that I, dreaded but i survived it right. <laughs> slowly probably lost a lot of time on it but i knew there was no point in being a hero and right you know doing the bucket unbroken um because you know sometimes it's just not about doing it that way you know right so to you what was the best part about the whole race experience there it's hard to say it's a combination of the views and it not hurting that bad. I think for those, because because it didn't hurt me that bad, I could enjoy it more. Um, and so, but the, just the views, I mean, just being there, I mean, stopping and doing a 360 around you. I mean, it was just the most beautiful place I've ever, you know, done any kind of event. And so I would say just the experience of, of being there was the best part, but not being completely fucked um and finishing i don't know finishing fourth was pretty good too that's that awesome it's kind of hard to decide between the the views the the fourth and the not being fucked up but i'd say you know all of those kind of put together that's awesome so besides the bucket what was probably the worst part about the event about the what the event 
I'd say just the climbing. Right. The the brutal, like, they really gave it to you in these, like, two climbs that were so long that they kind of start to, they're so long they break you. I mean, again, the first one was taking me about 45 minutes or an hour or so. I don't remember. I mean, that's a long time to go uphill um, without stopping and only stopping to do obstacles. Um, so I would say, I would say the altitude and climbing right. were the worst. The oh. obstacles to me, honestly could have been harder. They only had two sections on twister. Um, they could have done like, I would have died, but like, you know, double sandbags or something. Um, I didn't think the obstacles were outrageous. Um, it was, I think it was really just those, the climbs and the altitude. Oh, I almost forgot. Uh, what about that 30 minute burpee penalty? That was um, ridiculous. Well, I don't, I don't know. Look, here, here's the thing. I don't know all the facts. And so I don't want to make any opinion that could be like offensive or because I, I don't know, but you know, I do. Th- okay. So you have to also change your perspective. You would never give a 30 minute penalty in like a sprint, right? Or, yeah. or a super, but you can't give a five minute penalty because that really doesn't make a separating difference. And, you know, the, the thing is, you know, and, and again, I don't know all the details, but you've got to do your burpees. Right. I mean, it, it's your responsibility to count. And, you know, what I was told was it was three burpees. And, and for me, I think three is a lot for an, for an elite racer in a, in a world championship race. Because, you know, I I always count my burpees. And if I lose count, I do it. I just go back to the last number I remember and start from there because I'm not going to risk it. Yeah, you got um, to. <clears throat> you know, I, a lot of times I'll do an extra. You know, I, I so I can't. it's hard for me to pass judgment on it because I don't know and I don't want right. to do it that way. But I actually didn't think it, it sounds outrageous when you say 30 minutes for a burpee. I mean, maybe it could have been 15 or 20 minutes instead of 30, but on an ultra, you know, you have to make it significant and, and, you know, you have to, with that, you're giving out $8,000 to your winner. Oh wow! And so, yeah, the, the first place was 8,000. I mean, this is a, you know, a pretty big deal race. And so, um, how deep did know, the awards go? Did you get money too? Yeah, uh, they they paid ten deep. Oh, I got, cool. Um, I got a thousand for four. Hell yeah, that's I awesome. I was like, okay, you know, that was you know, you're doing what you love, and then somebody pays you money to do it, and you're like, oh, well, that's cool. It paid for me to do this, you know? Oh yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so that was you know ex- exciting. Um, I think tenth was like a hundred dollars, so it kind of made its way down. And then the award ceremony was super disjointed because, you know. Um, um, Matt had tech, Matt Davis had congratulated me and he said, we should go to awards. They usually do five deep. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. And so, you know, I asked somebody to ask somebody, you know, and right. they asked somebody that works at Spartan and, and the people said, no, we're only doing the top three. Well, then it ends up that they did do, or they at least announced the top five. So I didn't go. Plus they wanted, it was really confusing. I was getting a text message about something. It being like free for the podium people, but $30 for other people. And, the group I was with just was like, we're not spending $120 to go eat finger food. Right. And, that's, know, that's crazy. Sit in an award where they're not even going to say your name. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I didn't go, but apparently they said my name, but it's fine. <laughs> right. Hey, as long as you still get the $1,000, that's what matters. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know. <laughs> You'd already had enough peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You didn't want any finger yeah, food anyway. I was good. I did, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I was ready to, you know go home i don't need to do all of, all of that but not that it's not just about oh me getting an award i mean it's nice to be able to see and congratulate other people but 
I was also kind of tired and ready to just, you know, I wasn't dying to go. Imagine. Did you, like, sleep, like, 12 hours a day after that event, catching up on sleep? Tried to, because, you know, I ended at 10 on Monday, and then I slept for, like, four or five hours that day. But then I woke up, and, like, we all went out to, got pizza that night, and then I kind of slept a regular night from, like, 10 to, you know, 6 a.m. Tuesday. And then Tuesday, when I woke up, we got so lucky, like, five inches of snow. Oh, cool. (laughs) it could have snowed on us, but, um, yeah, but then when I woke up Tuesday and I was like waiting for the shoe to drop, I was like waiting for the horrible pains in my body to start, you know, hurting because, you know, I was waiting to not be able to walk and it just never came. I mean, I, I felt fatigue, but, um, I think I was telling you, I felt more sore after the Killington beast than I did the 24 hour race, Wow, which is strange. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I actually, you know, it was kind of tiring though, traveling back, you know, I got home like super late from a flight. I didn't get home till like midnight on Wednesday. So, you know, the travel back was just kind of a little tiring and felt fatigued, but yeah, there was beautiful snow when we woke up the next day. It was really neat. Yeah. Well, at least the traffic leaving in the Atlanta airport probably wasn't bad. Yeah. <laughs> <When> <laughs> midnight. <back>. Yeah. <laughs> For the first time ever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So has this like been your best year for like, you know, doing podiums and making money and stuff? It has, hasn't it? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. This year has just, you know, I've been racing since 2015 and I've always been, you know, pretty good. I think I've always been better than average. I kind of came into it somehow. I, you know, out of my, out of the gate, I was good at it because I, you know, ran I had a running background and I'm just kind of naturally built in a strong way so it's not that I went from like zero you know I I was pretty good when I started but um yeah this year has been by far like blown out I mean I had four goals this year um you know top 10 at today ride win a Spartan win a Savage and then initially my goal was top 20 on the the U.S. National Series but I'm thinking I might crack 15 but I don't know I'm waiting for that dust to settle um, that got messed up cause I didn't get a fourth race in cause I got COVID. Like I wanted to do West Virginia. So anyway, but yeah, it's, it's for sure been the absolute best year and it's not done. And I think next year might be better. <laughs> and then this past weekend at Atlanta, you got back to back first place wins at your home course. That's had to be awesome. Oh, it felt so good, especially because, you know, literally like coming five days after crossing the finish line. Right. For that race, you know, when I was out there in Telluride, I've, I've been kind of bummed that literally the only time they came to Georgia was five days after Telluride. You know, I, I kind of had known that all year and was really disappointed about it because I was like, you know, the one time I get to run a Spartan at home, you know, I'm going to be fucked and I can't do it. And I've talked about I was going to go since I have a pass. I would just sign up and maybe walk around. And if I felt good enough, maybe do an open wave or, you know, right. I, I my pass races, I not run for a while after so i didn't think i could race race five days and um so i just made the call on thursday i was like you know what i'm gonna sign up and i'm gonna go and you know i i the worst thing that's gonna happen is that the wheels fall off you know if i get out there three miles in and something hurts or my body hurts like i don't care i'll just waddle it in like it doesn't matter no one's gonna you know my life isn't gonna end if um if it blows up, but you know, I think, and somehow I just went out there and my body was able to do it. You couldn't uh, even tell you had run a 24 hour race. You were looking good out there. 
Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I fell off those monkey bars. But I got it on video, too. You're welcome. You're to welcome. Be honest, Sunday, my <laughs> toast. I could feel it. I mean, I could feel the fatigue. Like, you know, my, my left bicep was kind of hurting after, you know, because I think it's just the fatigue. My body, you know, needs some rest. And um, Sunday, that Z-Wall felt like the hardest Z-Wall of my life. Oh, man. You know, so they were pretty I, I, could, I could feel it. But, um, you know, I definitely wasn't expecting that. Um, right. You know, I, I I was grateful that I felt well enough to have the confidence to register. And so it almost, to me, like when I put it all together, it makes each thing more meaningful for me. Because if I had gone out to Telluride and finished fourth, but then had just been like broken and had a knee messed up and had to take time off, like I have sometimes, you know, in the past from things, you know, it, it would have been great to finish fourth. But for me, the ability to finish fourth and then still find, get get the excitement to do my hometown race. Um, I think I earned a little street cred with that one kind of showing yeah, up. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I think maybe the other girls were disappointed because maybe they thought I was going to be, you know, a little worse off than I was yeah. <laughs> um, that weekend. But yeah, yeah, I think I think I earned some points this weekend just kind of maybe show, showing up that I can, that I can hang. <laughs> yeah, don't mess with Rachel. She bad. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, you know, <laughs> like I said, I might have uh, put a feather in my cap with that one. Again, not not each individually, but just kind of being able to pull that all off within like a seven day period, I guess. Cool. So, what else you got left for the rest of the year? So, I'm gonna do Hildervat at the end of the month, and I'm super excited to do that. That's down in Daytona. Um, you know, totally different. It's a beach race, right? So. That's Glendon Hildervat, um, Savage, Florida, Carolina Spartan, and then um, the December Central Florida Spartan. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, pick right back up. And I think my first race in January will be Savage put a uh, Florida in January. So, oh, cool. Um, next year. I bought a season pass because, I mean, come on with that great deal. Oh, it, it was really good deal. <laughs> um, so I'll be doing as many Spartans as I can. I don't think I'll be doing the series next year. Right. Um, it's just a big commitment to, you know, I, I want to, I, I, I'm glad I did it this year, but I want to do races I want to do because I want to do them. Right. Not ones that I have to, to be able to rank or whatever. So next year I'm going to hit, hit the Spartan circuit, do what I can. But I actually think my, my focus next year is going to be on Savage Race. Right. Um, I'm going to start showing up to some, some more of those, check out some of the venues that, I haven't had a chance to do and uh, pick up a few more axes for the collection, I guess. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's it. You know, just try to keep doing what I'm doing and, and, and keep the body healthy, keep growing, keep, you know, just trying to be better. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe next year will be better than this one. Hell yeah. Well, I hope to see you at some races, you know. I mean, I'll be at Carolina. That'll probably be the only race I'll see at the rest of this year. But hopefully I'll see you at some races next year and we can road trip to Killington again. Yeah, well, hey, man, you're not too far. Maybe in, um, yeah. once it kind of goes down in December, we can all do like a group training run in the cold or something, get some mileage in. Yeah, that'll be cool. It's kind of flat where you are, though. Y'all might have to come up here. <laughs> oh God, yeah. There's no heels down here. It's awful. Cool. Well, thanks for thanks for indulging me and letting me talk about obstacle course racing. Hey, man, that's what we do here. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. Cool. I appreciate your time. Always great to see you. Congratulations, by the way. I mean, I do have to say one thing that now one of my goals next year is I got to start beating you because yeah. I think the past couple of things we've raced each other, your times are beat fine. 
Well, Every it's time. just a little bit. That's you're what I'm saying. Man, you're a badass, man. I mean, you got to give yourself some credit because now I'm in the habit of asking what your time was. So, <laughs> you know, I need to step it up a little bit because I need to catch you. So, yeah, you better start running scared. <laughs> I will. See, that's <laughs> why I said if I ever do a 24-hour race and you're going to be there, I'm just going to hang with you because we're on the yeah. same level. So. Oh, you and I would do pretty well. That's what yeah, we'll, we'll do. We'll just team that shit days. up and, you know. And and well, you can be my motivational like speaker because I'll get some bad demons in my head and you can just help me get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, you know you, that's the fun thing about doing it with someone. You can kind of pull each other out when you hit your lows at different times, you know. But yeah, and I mean, dude, if you want to think about doing one, hit me. We'll talk about it. I can you know give you some advice about the you know the best way to approach it because, like I said, I mean, it's not impossible. You know, right. you, you can do it. You 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 can absolutely do it. So did they even announce where they're going to do it? Are they going to go back to Telluride again, or are they not announced that? I would be surprised if they did because it was kind of like a pain to get to, right? And and the logistics, but you know, they were going to do Killington, yep, um, in 2020, and then COVID happened, and I could see them doing it there because it's just I think it's the course you do it at, in my opinion, right. Um, you know, I don't know. That sounds really awful, though, if you, you know. Well, <laughs> if you think about it, if if they do it at Killington, you know, it's not going to be. It's like you said, you'll probably, if they do it like they did it at Telluride, you'll run the whole beast course once, and then yeah. they'll put you on that, you know, that six-mile loop. That might not be so bad. Yeah, they might not put the death march on, on the six-mile loop. That's all we can hope for, right? <laughs> they probably would, though, knowing them. Yeah, that they keep that one off, and that backside with that ultra loop. <laughs> well, hey, Rachel. Uh, it's been fun chatting with you, and I'm glad I got to talk to to because I wanted to get somebody on that wanted that, that went to tell you ride and me talking to you before. I mean, it was just great to have you on again to uh, talk about the race and you wanted to too. So that was great. Yeah, no, I, like I said, thanks for indulging me and, you know, letting me, um, anytime, anytime. Is there anything else you want to add, Rachel? No, just, um, you know, let people know that I'm love to talk to people and answer questions. And I think, um, you know, if anybody ever has questions about running a 24 hour race or any advice, I mean, I'm not a, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm uh, an expert, but I've, I've been around the block a few times now. So, you know, feel free to reach out to me on, you know, Instagram is usually the best way to, to find me. It's Rachel underscore fit underscore girl. Um, just send me a message and happy to talk to people. And, you know, thanks so much for having me, Scott. Yeah. Thank you. We'll talk to you later, cool. Rachel. Appreciate it. All right. Bye. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Rachel again for taking time to talk to us. Also, I want to thank everybody that came up to me and, spoke about the podcast and said they've been listening this weekend in Atlanta. It's really cool. I love uh, hearing from the listeners out there, you know, and this is a home course for me, and it's always fun at this venue, and they do a lot of races here, different brands too, and it's just, you know, it was my first race, so I guess it's kind of sentimental to me, and so I enjoy going to this one. I haven't missed a race there in 2015 and since 2015. And they usually have like two races there a year. Some years they have anyway. And it's just always a good race. You know, they didn't have the cliff climb this year, which is kind of a, it's kind of a, a centric obstacle for this venue. And you're probably saying, well, I've done a cliff climb at other races and it's not a big deal, but at this actual venue it, it it was a big deal i mean it was probably a cliff that was i don't know four or five stories tall 
and the cargo net gets to before you crest the top of the cliff you are at you are vertical before you crest the top of the cliff on the cargo net and the photographer is usually there and he's tied off to a tree so he can you know peek over the edge and like take pictures and it's, it's a cool obstacle but even without that this venue has a little bit of technical running and it's cool on the super course you actually there's these concrete kind of like passageways or culverts that go up underneath the the road and they're really big like you can stand up and run underneath the road through them and there's two of them so you got one going under you know on the course and then you come back on the other one coming back through the course you know and it's it, it's really dark when you go up underneath it and it's fun to me and then like you'll get on the super side of the course and there's a lot of rocks you'll run on and some hills in the back and that's usually where they have all the super obstacles and then on sunday they will take that out on the on the sprint course so you won't do that but uh, the conyers or atlanta venue it's always a fun race to me you know a little bit of climbing but not a lot you know it's it's a fun venue but anyway Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and my rate, my next race will be the Carolina Ultra, and I uh, hope to see everybody there. Um, I mean, I'll have some more episodes come out before then, but anyway, we'll see you in the next race. Peace. Mm -hmm.